I'd say thank you, worship team, but that'd be kind of self-congratulatory, uh, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for being here this morning, and uh, no, I'm not Pastor Charlie, but I'm going to do my best today. <laughs> um, during this week, I kind of went back and forth about a few different things that I thought I would talk about this morning, and one thing just kept popping up. Because this is something that I personally deal with in my life. This is a struggle for me. And I'm going to put it out that it's probably a struggle for you too. And that is contentment. Being content. Now, when you look at famous athletes, famous artists, award-winning this and that and the other... Several times throughout history in their interviews, they've said, there's got to be more than this. Tom Brady is quoted as saying that after like his third Super Bowl. There's got to be more than this. Alexander the Great looked out on his, his grand uh, empire that he conquered and he wept. For there was no one else to conquer. He wanted more, more, more. Our songs sing about it. I can't get no satisfaction. Rolling Stones, right? How do we become content in 2022 when everywhere on television, on the internet, you have is in the movies, we're told you're not enough. What you have isn't enough. You need the latest this. You need the shiniest that. Recently, I was talking with Amanda about how I was bored and unsatisfied with my life. The day-to-day -day humdrum was starting to get to me. I wanted a change. I wanted a rest. I wanted to go somewhere, do something, get something. Just not get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. Get up, go to work, go home, go to bed. I wanted something more, something exciting. And she shared with me a video of a woman who was talking about a phone call she had with her friend. Her friend called her and said, I am miserable. I feel like I'm stuck in a rut and I cannot get out. And the lady responded to her friend, well, you're using the negative word. You're using the word rut. Rut, a big hole you can't get out of. What you should be saying is you're in the groove. You've worn down the path. You're in a comfortable spot. Things are moving good. Day-to-day -day stuff is handled pretty well. You got a decent job, you're making your money, you're paying your bills, hopefully, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. Everything is status quo. You're in the groove. Be happy in the groove. Things are moving normal. There's little to block your way. I should be grateful to be in the groove. Well, that video made me think, it was like, hmm, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it, I guess. 
And then in the mail, I got my uh, form to fill out for jury duty. <laughs> and then we got an email from the uh, property we live at. Our rent's going up over $100, and $100 a month. And long-festering health issues have started popping up in our family between the two of us. So much for the groove. We are always longing for more, and we can't appreciate the groove, the times of peace, the time of calm in our lives that Jesus brings. We're always looking ahead instead of looking at the beauty of the now. Even in the world, people who don't know Jesus, they realize that contentment is a challenge. Socrates, pretty smart guy, right? He's quoted as saying, he who is not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. Well, how do we look at this as blood-bought believers of Jesus Christ? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. How do we look at contentment? Well, the 23rd Psalm starts right out telling us, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it goes right down and it hits all the boxes. God feeds us. He brings us rest. He protects us. He's always there with us. He's the good shepherd. But guess what? We're stupid sheep. If he's the shepherd, we're the stupid sheep. We like sheep. We wander. We go astray. We think, hey, that path looks nice. Everybody's going that way, but I'm going to go that way. Hey, that field looks tastier than the one over here where the shepherds lead. I'm going to go over there. That job looks like it would be better for me. This car is what I've always wanted. This boat will make me happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy? <sighs> you can do a whole sermon on that phrase right there that so many people fling around. Doesn't God want me to be happy? As Christ followers, it's important to remember that happiness and contentment are not interchangeable. Happiness is circumstantial. It's fleeting. It's here today, gone tomorrow. How many of you have wanted something so bad and you got it finally and then before you know it, the bloom is off the rose, the shine is off the apple and you're looking for the next thing to make you happy. Oh, I got the boat. But you know what? I didn't know about this option, this feature. Oh, man, I would love that. I have a horse. It's a good horse. But I want another horse. 
<laughs> Brandon gives me the thumbs up. In my voiceover business, I've got several microphones, but I'm always looking at more. Oh, maybe this one's the good one for my voice. True contentment comes from knowing you are at the center of God's will. Contentment lies deeper than just emotions. And it's based on our state of mind. Being locked into God's will and it is impossible to know you're at the center of God's will without a relationship with God. An important thing to remember about contentment is it's not a destination, it's a rhythm. According to devotional writer Neri Morris, contentment doesn't come natural. Can we agree on that? It's not natural for us to say, I got all I need. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to stand here and not covet a thing. It's so hard to do that. It doesn't come natural, but contentment has to be pursued. Setting aside things which consume our minds, and we have to pursue God in worship, prayer, and community. Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3 tells us, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. If we are focused on the things of the world that we're wanting, we're always looking, 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 and not focusing on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, no wonder we're not content. No wonder we're not at peace. No wonder we're pulled to and fro. We're a boat with no anchor. Whoever's tried to fish with no anchor, or at least a good trolling motor, You're all over the place. The fish are like, what are you doing? We're over here. But you have no grounding. Here's a very interesting story that I, I, uh, I heard this week. How many of you know who David Gibbs Jr. is? Okay, I'm not surprised. He's a Christian law expert. He helps churches deal with legal issues. Um, on the word... Our sister station to the Pulse, they have a little show that they play, a little brief feature called uh, Legal Alert, and he's the host. One time, David Gibbs Jr. was in a plane, a small little Cessna-type plane with a buddy of his, and they were flying. And they got up, they were flying, everything was going great. He didn't know the pilot very well. And the pilot, once they got up to a certain height, looks to David and says, you know, clouds make me faint. Maybe you wouldn't want to be a pilot. But sooner or later, they got in a cloud bank. And wouldn't you know it? Aren't we? Out like a light. The guy in the back is like, David, we're going to die, aren't we? 
Very possible. So they get the radio, and they radio the tower. They explain the situation. And the air traffic controller says, okay, listen, you're in this cloud bank. You're in this fog. You can't see where you're going. I can see you on my monitor. You listen to me. You listen to my voice and do everything I tell you to do. If you don't, you're dead. You will die. No ands, ifs, buts about it. You're going to die. That gets your attention. So they did exactly what they, he told them to do. He said, also, also, don't look out the window. Don't look at your surroundings. It'll freak you out. And you'll stop listening to me. Keep listening to my voice and I will get you home. If you don't, you're as good as dead. They keep, cannot emphasize that enough. They listened. They keep, kept their eyes on the instruments, their ears to the controller. And he talked them down. And they landed. And they met the air traffic controller. And he said, I'm glad you listened to me. So many people don't listen to me. And they crash and they burn. You were 15 minutes from slamming into a mountain. You couldn't see it, but I could. I knew where you were. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to what I had to say and trusting me to get you home. Had they not listened to him, it would have been disastrous. They would have been obliterated. Guess what, friends? We're in the plane. We don't know what's going around. Sometimes we get pulled this way and that way. We don't trust God to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. We try to do things our own way. We force the issue. We take the stick and foolishly try to fly it on our own. We make foolish purchases to satisfy our needs. We, make, we buy things we can't afford. The credit card industry loves that we do that. We abandon relationships for something more exciting. You see people married for 25, 30 years. We just grew apart. We set up our altars for all our little gods. The God of work. The God of materials. The God of sex. The God of my happiness. We stop listening for God's voice and trusting in His directions. We grab the controls and we blindly chase our happiness and slam! We run into a mountain, a mountain of our own making. 
But Psalm 16.8 says, I will keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Something we focused on in that story was trust. Trusting in the air traffic controller that he knows where we are. Trusting God to know who we are and where we are. Contentment comes with trust. If you don't trust something, like if you, if you sit on an amusement park ride and it's kind of wobbly, a little rusty, could use some WD-40 and you can't really put your full trust in that car that you're sitting in, are you going to be content? Oh yeah, fire it up, let's go! Ting! Go flying across the, the midway. Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I love that verse. It's one of my favorites. And we could probably all quote it frontwards and backwards. We've, we've heard it probably as much as we've heard John 3, 16. So much so that sometimes I think it rolls off our backs. It's just a platitude we say. Oh, that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. How do you do that? By realizing God does not make mistakes. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that about our government? You can say a lot about our government, but you can't say that. Can you say that about our friends, our family, our co-workers, the world in general? God does not make mistakes. He's not the GPS that's going to tell you to drive into a lake. He's not a looming ogre wanting to deny you good things in life. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is all-powerful. That knowledge brings perfect peace and contentment. How can you not be at peace and in contentment when you fully trust the creator of the universe who knows you by name, who sent his son to die for your sins? When we don't trust God, dare I say that's a slap in the face? Would it not hurt you as parents if your child went up to you and said, I don't trust you? And you're just trying to guide them away from danger and raise them up. And they said, I ain't going to listen to you. I don't, I don't believe you have my best intentions at heart. Would that break your heart as a parent? Think of the times that we break God's heart by saying, uh-uh, I know what I need. the audacity that we have sometimes. The Apostle Paul said he loved to be content through prayer, seeking, 
and focusing on God in all circumstances. And boy, did Paul have some circumstances. We're talking about a guy who was thrown in prison. We're talking about a guy that he was once a persecutor of the Christians, and then he became one, and boy, he was enemy number one for the Sanhedrin and everybody. He was considered a turncoat. Paul was in some bad situations. If anybody had the right to go, God, I don't deserve this. Where are you? Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. Why did you save me and put me on this road to have me sitting in prison? Don't make any sense to me. However, Paul's joy, his peace, and his contentment was not about the stuff, the status, or the situation. Say that one more time. Paul's joy and contentment was not in stuff, his status, or his situation. It was finding God to be his all in all. Contentment goes beyond satisfaction with possessions. Because contentment is about recognizing God's place in our life and being at the center of his will. When circumstances are beyond our control, we can still find peace. When Bob has a brand new Lund boat and you're shore fishing, find peace. That's for me. So often, I have longed for a boat. Then I got one and I had to sell it. So now it's like, God, why did you bring me a boat though? Only have me have to leave it. Now, now I'm stuck on here and everybody's catching the big fish and I'm on the... I'm still outside in the God's beautiful creation. I'm still fishing. I'm with my wife. I'm spending time with her. I don't have a boat payment. I don't have to uh, clean it. I don't have to lug it in and out of a lake. I don't have to pay for storage. Praise God, I don't have a boat. Would I still like a boat? Yes, because I'm stupid. <laughs> but praise God, he knows better than I do about the timing, right? When a friend or a family member is not living for God, yet they seem to have all the money and the toys they want, you'll find peace. I hope you don't mind I share this, honey. You can kill me at home later. My brother-in-law and his wife are the two most unhappy people you'd ever want to meet. She works like a dog in finance and gets promotion after promotion after promotion, gets moved all over the country. And the husband follows. 
She makes a lot of money. And when he's working, he does HVAC. So he makes a lot of money. Both of them were raised in the church. Both, actually, both of them went to a Christian college for a while. Yet, I would say, by appearances, I don't know their hearts. They're not serving the Lord right now. They just bought, they had a huge house in Texas. Bought a second house. Their daughter's living in that, going to college. Moved to Tennessee, bought another huge house. Throw money around like it's water. Yet they're miserable. Miserable. They fight all the time. Their kids have checked out. Their son, my nephew, all he wants to do is sit in front of the computer and play video games. Doesn't want to go out, doesn't want to talk to anybody, doesn't want to do anything. My niece is flittering and floating around trying to find whatever makes her happy. Dabbled with lesbianism. Now it has a boyfriend, back and forth, to and fro, buy me this, buy me that. And just recently, some of the family got together down in Tennessee, and my niece told one of my all the time that, yeah, this might buy a little bit more time before mom and dad's marriage is over. They're only happy when they're shopping, acquiring, acquiring, getting, getting. When the God of materialism is your God, satisfaction, contentment, peace is nowhere to be found. One day, material items will break, they'll sink, they'll grow old, they'll get lost, or they'll get left behind when Bob dies. Maybe then you can buy the boat cheap. I don't know. But believe me, it's not automatically bad to want something. We all have desires of bigger, better, grander. We don't always want to be in the same spot all our lives, and that's normal. Where the problem comes in is when that item, that goal, becomes bigger than God. When you focus on the boat listings more than you do God's word. When you covet the item in your heart and you begin to be ungrateful for the blessings God has given you. You might not be where you wanted to be at this point in your life. You might not have everything you always wanted. But when you put your trust in God, he puts you where he wants you. And supplies your needs, not your wants. Because like children, sometimes what we want isn't good for us. Dogs love chocolate. They eat it, they get sick and die. But it makes them happy. Give them the chocolate. 
If God didn't really love us, sure, here, have everything you want. Self-destruct. Go ahead, be my guest. But no, he actually cares about us. He's a good father, like we sang this morning. And what does a good father, a good mother do? They train their child. They say no. They also say yes. And sometimes they say wait. God answers all prayer, folks. We just don't like to answer all the time. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The false teaching that's going around in the church today. Blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. Prosperity doctrine. Now, as if God owes us something for serving him. That takes some gall. Let's get one thing straight. There's only one thing we deserve, and that is hell. Every one of you, even me. If I got exactly what I was owed, I would be burning right now. That's what I deserve. The fact that Christ saved us, that is enough. We prosper by being adopted into God's family and surrendering ourselves to him. Him who causes the sun to rise and the planets to spin. The problem is our definition of prosperity is the world's definition of prosperity, not God's. Our circumstances will not make us happy all the time. We will desire more junk to fill the God-shaped hole in our heart. I like how author Chris Witz puts this. Nothing can fulfill us like Jesus. Only Christ can fulfill the insatiable desire in each of us for more because God created us for all our desires to be met in Him alone, in Christ alone. My hope is found. We will have trouble in this life. Hardships, we don't know why God withholds certain things from us. We don't know why sometimes we have to go through financial struggles. We don't know why loved ones have to die. We don't know why sometimes God calls us not to have everything somebody in the world has. All we know is God does provide. All we know is this, that he has proven it time and time and time and time again. A story, a real quick story about when I was a kid. My dad had lost his job. And we had moved from Pennsylvania to Ohio. Now, my dad was originally from Ohio. I was born in Ohio. But my dad pastored in New York. He pastored in Pennsylvania and eventually went back to Ohio. But this was that interim period. He lost his secular job, didn't have a church at that time, so we moved to Ohio. And we didn't have two pennies to put together. We were on food stamps, 
It was coming up Christmas time. And that's the time to sit down and say, God, where are you? And then we got something in the mail. A nice size check showed up in the mail. Who was it from? My dad's Sunday school teacher when he was a little boy in Canton, Ohio, had not talked to this woman in years. But she said, God laid it on my heart that you needed this. Guys, when you serve a God that does things like that, how could we be anything else but grateful? How could we, when we don't have everything we want? God provides. He's done it time and time again. The world in which we live is not fair. But God is fair. Nowhere in Scripture does it say God's people will get a pass. A free pass from pain, struggle, disappointment, sorrow, and persecution. Jesus experienced all of those things. Why wouldn't we? He has promised to be there with us. He has promised to provide for us, and he keeps his promises. If he didn't, he wouldn't be a God worth serving. But I have seen it time and time in my life. And if you stop and think back through the pages of your mind, you will see where God has kept his promises to you. Sometimes we don't even realize it when it's happening at the time. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And I have yet to see a commercial for any product that lives up to that claim. Amen? I understand what it's like to be disappointed. I'm disappointed a lot in myself, in my body, with my, my health issues. That I, there are so many things I'd love to go and do and see and participate in, but I can't because of health issues. And so often... I get frustrated. God, I'm only 44. Why do I feel like an 80-year-old? It's not fair. Everybody else can do what they want. I'm stuck here. Then he reminds me, Oh, Joe, do you remember that morning in Millersburg, Ohio, when you tried to pass a semi and it turned into you? And the trailer stopped right here. By all accounts, you should be dead. Joe, do you remember that snowy morning in Cleveland when you slipped on a, a sidewalk, fell on your neck and was paralyzed? And the doctors didn't know if you were going to make it through the surgery. And then you didn't know if you were going to regain all your walking and eating functions and things like that. You could have died on that sidewalk. You could have died on the operating table. 
even back when I was born, had a rough delivery. Could have died. Time and time again, looking through my life, God protected me and brought me through. And yes, I've got some dings and scratches. I'm not show model status anymore. But I'm here. I have food. I have a great job. Never thought I'd be living in Minnesota. We talk about, you're not where you were, thought you would be at this point in your life. In high school, I had dreams of something for a major network, broadcasting basketball games, or doing something, making the big bucks. I'm 44. I'm in Baxter, Minnesota, doing Christian radio. And I love it. God knows what's best. We don't. Honey, what was that, that quote that you found yesterday about God knows God's the only one who's been in our tomorrow. So he knows what we need right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to, to, to speak your word. God, I'm so not worthy. I'm preaching at myself this morning, God, about being content and being happy and not letting depression take me. I praise your name, God, and realize that you know where I am and how I'm doing and what I'm feeling. And you love me. You don't turn your back on me. I pray today for the spirit of contentment to be evident in our lives. God, we might not have all we want, be where we want, be doing everything that we want, but God, we are where you want us to be. When we listen to your voice and go where you say to go, give us the strength to let go of our wants and praise you for providing our needs. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We talk. God is really amazing, isn't he? We talk so often about how he puts everything together because believe it or not, everyone who serves on a Sunday doesn't get together and have a powwow midweek and say, guess what? God is saying this for songs. God is saying this for a sermon. He's saying to pray about this. We're all doing our own things, running around, working. And God is so amazing. He puts everything together every single time for what he wants us to hear. So this last song is, it's so fitting because it talks about who Jesus is. So please join us in worship for this last song. <laughs>